You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. James Watson, SVP Worldwide Production at Live Golf. Welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks, Tom. So can you give our audience a bit of an overview um, of your current role, but also a bit of a a history, because that'll help with um, the contextual information of what we're talking about today, which is all around uh, broadcast technology and innovations in the space. Yeah, so currently uh, overseeing production for Live Golf, so that's live production uh, as well as the non-live content that we're pushing out via various platforms. Uh, like like most startups, it's been a, a work in progress. Uh, at times, it's felt like we've been um, building the plane while we're flying it, uh, given the short runway that we had. But uh, look, I think there's 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 nothing better than a blank canvas, especially in a sport like golf, which has been crying out for change for a number of years. So that's what I'm doing currently. Uh, I've been at this for 20 years or so. Uh, started out as as most do. Uh, in, in production, trying to get all the work they can for free out of university. Uh, and then I guess my first big full-time role was with Cricket Australia starting in 2007, where I was the first digital content exec. So uh, running around with a camera with the Australian cricket team, uh, filming interviews, cutting features myself. And then uh, I, I guess it was the first role for them where it required shooting, editing, writing, uh, as well as some voiceover stuff. So it, it needed someone who'd uh, had, had work in multiple strands, which is how I was lucky enough to get that job. And then I managed to, to go from there to Sky New Zealand, where I was working as a producer on the, the cricket coverage over there. Stayed with Sky and moved to the UK for two years, from uh, 2011 to 2013. And then after a little stint at home as a freelancer, I spent uh, the better part of four years in Asia, uh, working for IMG across the Asian tours golf coverage. And then since 2018, uh, before taking up this role with Liv, I've been back freelancing, uh, or I was back freelancing. So uh, a contract with Tennis Australia, uh, helping look after the host production at the Australian Open Tennis, oversaw the Australian Open golf coverage, uh, and then working uh, with Sunset and Vine uh, on their ICC TV production, so producing live international cricket at a couple of T20 World Cups uh, and the 2019 World Cup, Men's World Cup in the UK. Great. And, and so fair to say, um, working across those sports that have that unique approach of being essentially a movable feast um, in terms of tennis, cricket, golf, uh, lots of different venues, um, lots of different areas, you know, venues within venues in the sense of, you know, an 18-hole course or a, across multiple courts with tennis. Cricket obviously is is one more that's going to sit there, but it's across a lots of different venues as distinct from, I guess, uh, you know, working at one stadium where it's you've got your, your structured set up. So lots of opportunity for technology to come in and lots of need for technology to come in. So what, what are some of the innovations that you've seen um, or are most excited by um, that have come through in the last kind of 18 months, 12 months uh, period? I think the big game changer in sports broadcasting has been graphics as a tool for helping the viewer understand the sport more deeply and rather than it just being, uh, you know, lower frame graphics, ticker graphics, full frame graphics in the traditional sense, it's been expanded use of laid over graphics. So when we talk about that, it's uh, Hawkeye, it's, it's Tracer, and, and I think over the last 10 years, it's use of those sorts of tools, whether you take Hawkeye in tennis or cricket, uh, the tracer in golf, 
and the expansion of that more into the live coverage than uh, in replays. I think that's been the biggest progression for me in the last decade or so, uh, especially when you look at next-gen stats and the way people want to consume their sport these days, where it, uh, it, your average fan has a deeper understanding than I think they did 15, 20 years ago, and they want to see that in their broadcast. Um, I think a lot of the people I've worked with over the years had a had an unbelievable grounding in uh, the way live sport was covered. And if you look at a sport like golf as a case study, until maybe five or six years ago, it was pretty much unchanged for the tw- previous 20 years before that, aside from 16 by 9 coverage, HD coverage. The way that the sport was covered hadn't really changed much. And I think there's a lot of sports where uh, that that has started to change more dramatically in the last five or six years than it say did in the 10 years before that. So I think, uh, you know, I, I look at, I look at uh, the best tech innovation coverages these days. I look at Apple TV's baseball coverage. I actually think they've done a fantastic job of reimagining how to deliver stats to the viewer. Um, and certainly having been involved with ICC TV, uh, the work that they do, to build on what was previously a fairly clean world feed and is now a, a, a coverage that delivers for audiences all over the world, different cultures, different languages, but still maintains that, um, that innovation mindset first and foremost. I think uh, they're the ones that I guess jump out to me at the moment as, as, as leading the way. Yeah. And it's interesting those sports that have steeped in a lot of history and tradition and then go through leaps in innovation, you know, the kind of World Series cricket um, and how it started. And then you could say about like the IPL, what the T20 in terms of that, I guess, excitement and how it's packaged and presented and all that kind of stuff and that, that liveliness to it. And certainly golf is the story I always tell is watching it with my grandparents when I was a kid on TV. Um, And my, my grandfather had a TV that had nine channels and you would dial it like literally kind of like an oven timer. Um, so whatever channel you had, but um, watching a camera try and find a golf ball um, <laughs> somewhere in the coverage and then seeing it bounce on the green and then finally locating it. And you go, it's just a terrible way to experience the sport. Whereas now with with tracing technology and then beyond to give it advanced stats on, you know, ball, ball speed, rotation, whatever else, like, and then some of the predictive stuff as well. I think that's, that's really interesting. Is that, I mean, is that big tech's influence coming in? You mentioned Apple um, there, also Amazon in what they're doing, the advanced statistics in the NFL and and looking, is that kind of that approach bleeding out into pro sports or is it actually coming from the sports going, hey, this is where you can help us? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you take a sport like golf, a lot of what you're talking about there started with coaching analytics tools that have then bled into the broadcast uh, the first trackman, uh, the first top tracer units were tools designed to help golfers uh, increase their performance levels, increase their club head speed, and and producers coming along and 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 seeing that and and seeing that that potentially could add to the coverage. And I think the second element for me has been the time which people spend outside of watching live sport consuming live sport, digging deeper into stats, uh, wanting to explore second screen experience as far as how tournaments have progressed through the week, understanding, I mean, baseball is a great example of a sport that was already numbers heavy, 
starting to develop next-gen stats primarily for use by franchises, but then it starts to bleed into online and then all of a sudden from online to broadcast where you look at something like wins above replacement, that's now something that's in the baseball vernacular. It's taken 10 years to get there, but when you when you see a, a you know a hitter's lower frame super and then they change on and show their wins above replacement versus other players, it's not a difficult thing to explain because people are spending time on their handheld devices consuming all of that before watching the coverage. So to answer your question, I do think it's a mix of both uh, that has led to more of that stuff being uh, exploited on the screen. Yeah, and obviously there's a there's a technical, um, I guess, underpinning area, the kind of the unsexy stuff that powers all what you're seeing as a fan on the screen. So in terms of cloud storage and um, internet speeds, bandwidth, whatever else that is, whether that's 5G or, or fixed um, uh, cable. So there's all that stuff that's still continuing to advance behind the scenes um, and means that the the art of possible, I guess, like what is actually possible is is that gap between what is possible and what can we actually, you know, what do we want to do? That gap is closing. Yeah, definitely. I think latency is the key there. I mean, we're, we're very lucky to work with a guy called David Hill who anyone in sports broadcasting will know as the godfather of how sport is covered currently i mean he he launched fox sports in the u.s before that he worked for sky in the uk and you were speaking of world series cricket a little earlier on he was the guy that put world series cricket on tv i mean first time players in colored clothing a regular score ticker on the screen an animated duck walking across the screen when a player gets out and the two things he preaches are graphics and audio as the things that can really make a difference on a tv coverage and 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 help get the viewer leaning forward and i think when it comes to graphics the idea of using cl- a cloud-based system to then allow multiple graphics to get put onto the screen in a short amount of time has been an absolute game changer previously you know up until the, uh, maybe even five years ago currently some broadcasts still do it working with car on graphic systems where people call up a number to get a player's Shot, shot super on a on a golf coverage or a full frame graphic 019b call it up animate it whereas you look at what's happening now with the ability to tap into the cloud-based database you can select a player have their current scoring information as well as their career history as well as their teammates career history all at the touch of a button which means in in the space of 20 seconds you can get five different graphics on the screen that help the viewer understand the context of the shot that's about to come up or the shot that just happened so I think um, I think it's made a huge difference in broadcasting. Yeah, and a lot of that falls into the bucket of advanced computing. In marketing spin, it's called AI, but whether it is pure AI is, is um, depending on if you're asking an engineer or a marketer, but it's certainly um, advanced computing and some really cool stuff about having that in cloud-based um, kind of assets in that. So that's that's... And that's that's for me is, is balancing these these conversations, especially like something on broadcast, which is very technical. But then the experience should not be technical in the sense of what fans are getting and how fans are immersing themselves in in the sport. And on that immersion point, is it also things around say um, social viewing, so co viewing things like that? Is that where do you see that fitting? Because that's had some good uptake, and then also in some areas it maybe hasn't lived up to its uh, its height. It's a really interesting question. I think uh, I think there's definitely space for that when you consider 
if if you flash back to when you were watching on your grandparents' TV with the the turning dial, sport was generally something you do watch with your family. So I think the idea of being able to watch it with other people is interesting. I, I worry about that as a trend at the moment, just because I think it's super important that you don't compromise your main primary feed and bifurcate your audience without giving it serious thought. I mean, you look at Manning cast as an example. I know that's not something you're looking at uh, casting along with other people, but as a, as a product that works because of the personalities involved, but then you also need to remember that you are going to be taking some audience away from the primary telecast. So when these things are tried, whether it be secondary ancillary feeds like Manningcast or like uh, K-Rod, you need to really think about, is this going to capture a new audience? Is this going to get more people engaging with the coverage or is this just going to take 15% of the existing audience and give them something else that they want to see? So I think it's the same with shared viewing experiences. Before looking at it, I think you really need to, to think, will it be something that adds viewers or will it be uh, an expense that just takes viewers away from the primary feed and puts them somewhere else? Mm. It's interesting with, um, I guess, Apple as well. The the other example is um, with what uh, Amazon or uh, Amazon Prime Video uh, is doing with uh, their broadcasts and, and how that's working, you know, do perfect, like the alternate broadcast with NFL. So like a YouTuber group that, the, put very crudely like the boomers aren't aren't tuning in to watch um some guys got famous on youtube for trick shots uh commentating football but you know gen z maybe that's that's the the gateway and that's what they're trying to do so i think that's a really interesting point around the strategic um like a strategic kind of thought process that goes into it rather than oh we can do this it's more should we do this well, I think I think the Dude Perfect guys are a great example of that, a, a product designed to capture a new audience and bring it into, uh, into the fold rather than existing outside of it. I'll go you one further. I think the future here is how do we integrate with e-gaming and how do we find windows in the broadcast for that audience um, that don't, that don't, contravene existing sports rights deals. So when you do a, a, a rights deal for a product, generally speaking, you're getting blackout restrictions in, in a particular market uh, for any coverage of that live product while on air. Certainly leaves itself self open to, to people watching, aka Soccer Saturday uh, in the UK, but no one's really exploited yet the ability to say put Twitch uh, users, Twitch personalities out in a sporting event live broadcasting at the same time as that sporting event and i think that's something that that could potentially capture a what is a huge captive audience of the gaming market and start to blend them in a little bit with live sport mm, yeah it's really interesting the, the kind of the esports streaming gaming um, markets and the personalities that exist within that and then seeing them as is expansion groups and that's been talked about a little bit with uh, uh, crypto natives is going um and we had Ridley Plummer on from from Tennis Australia and they were talking about their um their metaverse um initiative at the Australian Open and uh saying well are you trying to get tennis fans into crypto and saying no actually we're trying to get crypto and kind of web3 digital native whatever else kind of term you want to uh, talk about it into tennis so it's it's how do you transfer them there that way that kind of two way um processing and obviously 
the gaming market, the esports market is is enormous and much bigger than that kind of niche within crypto is is at the moment. So definitely, um, definitely agree. There's a, a way to do that, and also is um how to do it without contravening your existing um, agreements and your existing partners. Cause there's certainly one of those things that if you want to stream something on Twitch in terms of sports, you can probably go get an illegal version there. And, and um, that leads on to another question around um, piracy. So that's being called out as I guess the antithesis of all this stuff in terms of tech innovations. That's the really dark side of the coin is the ability of, people to get on the internet and find illegal streams of very, very valuable sporting rights. Um, do you see that as, as one of the big issues and is there a way that you can kind of, um, I guess, combat that in the sense of the experience that you're giving to fans um, through the broadcast? It's an issue, but it's been an issue for for an extended period of time. I think the technology that exists to combat it is getting much better. Uh, and I think as long as you're delivering the pictures in HD and 4K, there's always going to be a market for that primary feed. I think the more interesting shift for me is more in the media rights space. As you talk about, you know, as you as you you just mentioned, they're carving out a space for say a Twitch stream. Uh, in a broadcast deal, I think more broadly, it's 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 been well reported that broadcast rights deals are definitely peaking. Uh, I know direct to consumer with with companies like DAZN is becoming more prevalent. You only need to look at Fox Australia's business model completely changing uh, to super serve D to C fans with uh, KO Sports. Obviously, Nine in Australia stands for it. Everyone is moving in that direction, but further splitting up and bifurcating your your product does mean you're spreading the rights fees around more uh, broadcasters. And and then that means the value of it's going to be less. I think the UK and the US in particular are really the last uh, the last frontier for huge network TV deals just because such a huge percentage of the population consumes it on network tv i mean talking about live golf we approach this from a perspective of wanting to capture the 20 to 45 age bracket because the average golf fan in the u.s is over 60 and climbing so i guess it's a it's a long answer but i think that there are bigger problems in sport at the moment than than piracy particularly when those sports are funded by rights deals which you know, when they're coming up, need to be reimagined to include the younger audience and then find ways to to commercialize that, whether it's directly or whether it's otherwise. It's interesting with, um, uh, so Clipper Vision, for instance, that was recently um, released. So it's the the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, the NBA team, um, using the NBA app and you can subscribe to watch all their uh, home games, in, in-market games on their app. Um, so having that as a DTC version supported by the league's infrastructure um, and be able to do that and then integrating the things they're doing with Second Spectrum um, and a few other uh, tech and data partners, which is really interesting. But again, they're at the kind of Steve Ballmer with his Microsoft background and they're kind of they're at one end of the spectrum in terms of technology adoption um, and focus. Uh, so maybe not practical for for other leagues and other sports properties to be looking what they're doing but definitely important to be aware of it uh 
and, and following on from that, I guess the flip side of, well, what something like the team like the Clippers are doing and kind of all that great stuff there, um, what's been overhyped or I guess poorly executed, wherever else that is, like there's something that I think is really good to look at both sides of the coin here because sometimes we can just get caught up in all the amazing things that can happen, um, but there's certainly a lot of um, – lessons to be learned from history. So what are some things for you that maybe hasn't delivered where it could have? I don't know about not delivering where it could have. For me, use of virtual and virtual graphics and augmented reality, I'm a big believer that you've got to be very careful about how you do that. I think any graphic, any information you put on screen needs to be additive. And I feel like there are broadcasts out there at the moment that are using virtual graphics just for eye candy. When yeah. it comes down to it, you know, sports about education and emotion. People want to have their knowledge of the sport lifted by watching and absorbing, but then people want to be engaged with the emotion on screen. They want to see the close-up of the player's eyes. They want to understand the stakes of what's going on. Uh, and I think a little of that gets lost when you start to put fancy graphics on screen that don't really add much as far as information or context. It just looks cool. So for me, I don't like AR graphics with roller coasters on the screen getting to a, a final endpoint just for the purposes of a sponsor integration. Uh, and I think that's something that gets overhyped a little bit. And, and I don't think it actually adds much to the coverage. I think smart use of uh, virtual graphics actually works really, really well, particularly when you're looking at drone cameras, interesting ways to bring graphics to air that haven't been done before. Um, Presentation-wise, I think Super Bowl is a great example of smart use of virtual uh, augmented reality, I should say, as part of the coverage uh, compared to, you know, other other broadcasters who, again, just use it for the eye candy. So for me, that's probably the most overhyped tech innovation in broadcast over the last five or six years, just using that for the sake of it. Uh, the second thing for me that, and I touched on it before, that, that people need to be care, careful about is adding ancillary feeds just for the sake of it. You mentioned the Clippers before. There's obviously a captive base in LA around the world of people that want to engage with that team and only that team. So there's a there's a market for people that will say, well, listen, I'm, I'm happy to pay $8 a month or whatever it is only to engage with my favorite team. I think MLB were, were probably the first exponent of that, offering a platform that enables you to watch any game live, but you can customize it to make sure that your team's your experience. I think where we also need to be careful, and as I said before, is bifurcating an existing product and not carving out a new market with it. And I think there are a lot of broadcasts at the moment we'll, that we'll look at. We should do separate player feeds for all the different players and we can have feeds. Like if you look at golf for every single hole and viewers can select their hole, I think an awful amount of research needs to be done before those sorts of things are rolled out because... I, I really do firmly believe that the best broadcasts with the best announcers, the best like uh, the best graphics package, and the best producers who help put the story together are delivering that product in a way that most viewers should be able to consume it and get everything they need out of it. Uh, so taking resources away from delivering that and throwing it into other things just because the expectation is there to have ancillary feeds. I think there are some broadcasters out there that are, are throwing all their eggs in that basket a little too soon at the moment. 
that it, it, it does it become like the uh, Netflix problem in the sense of there's so much to watch, you're overwhelmed by choice, that part of the experience is maybe a little bit of curation to help you um, help you steer where you want to go, that if you have all these different options and camera angles and feeds and everything else, it just gets a bit lost. Is that is that where it sits with the consumer? Definitely. I think the illusion of control is a, is a huge factor in there. I mean, you can tell the viewer that they can go select every camera they want, but do they really want the ability to do that or are they happy just to consume the cameras they're being given? I mean, F1 is a great example of a sport that's covered brilliantly where they've got all the options in the world for viewers, but I would wager the majority of their fans consume the linear feed. Uh, I know they've got a fantastic OTT at the moment where where viewers can watch directly and they've got a pre-show and they've got content that's selectable and people can engage with it at any time. And for me, I feel like that's the big ticket. People would rather customization as far as going back to watch what they want when they want to watch it more than trying to engage with a live broadcast in multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah. Or the ability to, yeah. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it is the one option and then the ability to go back and select uh, specific highlights or drill it down yeah. to specific moments rather than that. Yeah. It's interesting on your first point around um, AR and I guess VR is a, a completely different thing but in terms of ar and broadcast is uh those examples that you mentioned a big flashy sponsor um engagement uh that doesn't really add anything in terms of educational or entertainment and i think of the um patriots recently having a giant gillette razor um in ar on their field which is you know what every sports fan does when they tune into an nfl game is wanting to see a giant a giant razor there uh, which is kind of random, but the the group that did that is the famous group, and they have also done amazing um, integrations with the Super Bowl. Um, we had their co-founder on the podcast um, speaking about that, and also the things with the um, Carolina Panthers, the the mascot that's jumping around, the Baltimore Ravens, the Raven flies down, things like that. So that's interesting, and that's that's coming from the team. Is that technology is um it's it's value neutral. It's how you use it. So it's one of those things that you can do all this stuff, but Again, coming back to our earlier point, um, it's what are the strategic uh, objectives, what are the priorities, how you're actually going to implement on that. So really being clear that, well, is this additive um, and asking, well, should we do this rather than can we do this? Spot on. I mean, what I, what I would qualify my my previous remarks with is uh, integration of sponsors is, is, is obviously a huge part of getting a broadcast on air. So sometimes there is a need for eye candy to integrate sponsors. The more you can integrate sponsors, the less you have to worry about commercial breaks. And I think if you look at a sport like golf, one of the overriding complaints from a golf fan is the sheer amount of commercial breaks that get thrown into the coverage. I mean, a a terrestrial coverage here, you're looking at five to six to two and a half minute breaks every hour uh, where you miss really crucial putts, really crucial shots, particularly on the last two days of a, of a major, for example. I know a number of broadcasters have tried playing through where it's uh, two boxes, one box with the coverage, one box with the ads. So you still get to uh, you still get to view the coverage. But I think if you look at the Patriots example, and uh, that would be one where if Gillette are going to commit to that and that helps deliver for the broadcast or the team I think that then qualifies as important I think what I was talking about was more 
eye candy for the sake of eye candy, where there's no sponsorship integration or there's a there's an integration just for the sake of it where it could go into another part of the coverage rather than being front and centre. And they're the things that I think get a little bit overhyped where it's we're going to show the viewer something cool just for the sake of something cool. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, you're right, as you said, in terms of um, paying the bills and uh, important part of that in the broadcast. So what do you... What do you want to see? Like what's what's kind of blue sky thinking, all those kind of cliches, bleeding edge, everything else. Where where do you want to see this going? Like what's on the what's on the uh the wish list from Santa? What's on the Christmas wish list in terms of technology innovation? I think it comes down to the nuts and bolts of the coverage. What can you add? And if you start from there, then you can then you can add on. I think two things are super important. Number one how can you get more of the things in broadcast that are done on replays into the live coverage? And how can you take things that have previously been delivered in a virtual world and overlay that over live camera angles? I think as far as live, there are two things that we're really focusing on. A lot of golf coverages have the virtual world side slab or that if you think about tennis, the Hawkeye in out experience going full frame where you've got the stadium recreated in a virtual world and then you're delivering data over that. I think the the ability to put that in over the live shot saves time and gives you more time to spend talking about the match, talking about the golfer, talking about the tennis player, uh, seeing some of the the personality stuff, getting more entertainment in, whether it's short form content uh, that you filmed. Every second in television counts. So I think on the wish list, it's you take the things that you used to have to replay or go back if you're looking at a swing analyzer with uh, information about a player's um, club head speed, ball speed. It's it's taking the ability to move those into the live experience that I think frees up the time to then spend doing all the things you want to do rather than ticking the boxes of the things you think you have to. Um, I also think a second screen does become really important for the hardcore fan. And I think, without making a secondary cast, giving them the ability to drill down on stats, find out more information, go deeper on the things that you're presenting is really, really important. There are a number of sports that do that really well, uh, having having an OTT that runs alongside the broadcast that gives you all of those things so that as a broadcast, you can stick to the headlines, you can stick to the direction the, the announcers want to go rather than pushing in those sorts of things. If you can get more people engaging with that secondary feed experience. So um, I think I think they're two of the things I'd look at over the next few years as being really important, at least from our perspective. And so on that that last one, is it then making a phone, because we refer to second screen and there's, I mean, that can be a multitude of screens, but in reality for the majority of people, it is a smartphone. So is it, you know, on a, on a television screen and then the that's the the primary broadcast wherever they have that and then it's actually aligning a second screen experience a mobile first experience that's linked directly to the broadcast is that one of those things because there's often yeah. a lot that you'll say will push push people to the app or to whatever the page is where there's stuff but it's it's not directly linked to the broadcast you're still what you're still doing is just going, well, we'll just dump everything else that we don't have here rather than going, how do we look at these things as a intimately linked package? Absolutely spot on. Uh, I think it is important to have that dump everything here 
uh, element to any iPad or or handheld uh, app. But but like you said, I think the, something that not a lot of people are trying outside of popping a QR code on the screen to go to go to go to some highlights of a player. It's something Fox in Australia does really well. Uh, they'll show a short highlights package of a of a batter in a cricket match, and then if you want to see the extended batter's highlights, scan the QR code. You can watch that because they're not going to squeeze it into the coverage. So I think that's more the kind of thing I'm talking about. As you said there, if you link it to the coverage and you're able to get extra things that go a little deeper. Uh, maybe they, maybe you're watching a feature, and then maybe the, the, there's a there's a link through to an extended version of that, um, or or maybe it's a, maybe it's a stats feed on the player that's out there currently, where you can drill down a little deeper than what you're presenting on screen. So I think uh, I think that's something people are trying, but haven't really, you know, they've dipped their toes, but they haven't really gone all the way in on that. And I think it's a it's an interesting, as I said, it's an additive element that doesn't take away from your current broadcast. Yeah, 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 definitely. And that's and, and as you said, people have kind of dipped their toes. I'm I'm yet to see or yet to hear of a of a really, really powerful, I guess, vertical integration between that, between the the primary broadcast and won't necessarily say linear, but the primary broadcast and then having a complementary second screen experience. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean that. Yeah, I would love to see that too. So that's that's hopefully for anyone, um, anyone listening, um, who's looking at exploring that, and obviously we'll be uh, watching keenly to to see what Live Golf um, does in the space. But before we let you go, I've got a final question. Um, something I'll ask all our guests, James. What is your favourite sporting moment of all time? Oh gosh, that's a that, that's a that's a really tough question. Uh, I'm going to say 99 World Cup semi-final, uh, Alan Donald, Lance Klusner, um, the run out. Uh, I, th- I think uh, you'll, you'll have South to Africa. say which sport for our listeners. Uh, sorry, out. cricket, <laughs> cricket, cricket, <laughs> Australia, South Africa, 1999 World Cup, uh, World Cup semi-final, uh, nine wickets down, run out to end the game. Uh, Damien Fleming with, uh, sorry, Adam Gilchrist with the underarm to Damien Fleming takes out the stumps. Australia goes crazy, pulled the rabbit out of the hat. No one expected uh, Australia to win. And I think everyone remembers that moment but forgets how well Shane Warne bowled earlier that day. Um, it was it was an absolute masterclass. So, yeah, m- definitely my favourite sporting memory. There you go. Where was that played? Oh, gosh. Now you're testing me. Going to say Edgbaston. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was in the – yeah. Yeah. It was in the UK. Yeah, but there you go, Edgbaston, Birmingham. All right, uh, the memory, the memory's serving me reasonably well. Great. Well, that's um, that's that's a good highlight to share, and um, for our for our listeners, uh, not from the Commonwealth. Um, if you if you want to look up cricket, go go have a look. It's uh, I mean, it's one of the world world truly world sports. Um, that's coming and also uh, growing quite a lot in the US. So that's something that uh, everyone should be familiar with. Um, even if not as a fan, but as a as a um, professional understanding of it, working in sports. So, just want to say thank you, uh, James, for your time. Uh, really interesting um, discussions there. I mean, some of my key takeaways are around understanding the the strategic objectives with a lot of this technology and how there's um, some cool stuff happening, kind of um, in front and behind the camera in that sense, uh, in terms of behind the scenes. Um, tech innovations, but then also all the stuff that as fans that we get to we get to enjoy. 
Thanks very much for having me. Great. All right. We'll follow um, follow Live Golf um, with uh, much anticipation in terms of um, seeing some of these innovations come through. Thanks again. Thanks, Thomas. 